0: Well, it's an honor to be here, to see all of you here today. Uh, I had a lot of uh, joy, a lot of fun going to that conference this last week, but I have to say that the part I enjoyed most about the conference was hanging out with Kenny. So I highly enjoyed that. You guys have a pastor who loves the Lord, who loves the Word of God, and I know who loves all of you guys. So you guys are very, very privileged on that. If you would, please turn your Bibles to the book of Psalms. Today we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 119, verses 9 through 16. For as long as I can remember, I have been a really, really big Star Wars fan when I was a kid, my favorite movies were the original Star Wars trilogy, and I watched that every single chance I could get. At birthdays and at Christmases, the only toys I would ever ask for were those little Star Wars figures. And when the trailer for the first prequel Star Wars movie came out, I watched that trailer close to a hundred times. When I was still a kid, my, my oldest sister read to me the... the the first Star Wars novels in the expanded universe. And when I got older, I ferociously read book after book in the Star Wars series. And because of that, I have a brain that is filled with Star Wars information. I can tell you that Wookiees come from the planet Kasherak. that the droids C-3PO and R2-D2 are the only characters that appear in all nine of the ...main Star Wars films. I can tell you that Grand Admiral Thrawn is the best Star Wars villain. That the leader of Rogue Squadron has always been Wedge Antilles. And that an Imperial-class Star Destroyer is 1,600 meters long. I have a lot of fun facts about Star Wars in my head. But it is quite useless information and it's information that most people do not need to have in their brain it it can sometimes be interesting or entertaining but it has absolutely nothing to do with changing my life sometimes that's exactly how we can be tempted to view our bibles it has inf- interesting or, or entertaining information in it, but it won't change our lives. It's for some people, but, but most people don't need that in their brain. It can be fun, but it's quite useless information. It does not have any effect on your life. But as we're going to see today, that viewpoint is far, far from the truth. The Bible is not just given for information, but for transformation. It's not filled with useless facts, but with life-changing truth. You need the Bible's contents in your brain, for it can have a massive effect on the way that you live. And today we're going to see its transforming effect in regards to moral and spiritual purity. We will see that Scripture is the key to living a clean and holy life before God. All true believers want to be and stay pure, and this passage tells you how to do just that. So please look with me at Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, as we look at the purifying power of God's Word. Psalm 119, starting in verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Lord God, we do thank you for your word. And we thank you for the great privilege that we have to to come together and to examine it. I ask that as we we walk through this passage, God, that you would enlighten us, that you would work in our hearts, work in our minds, that we would not only understand what this passage means, but we would also understand how we can apply it to our life. I ask that you would help me to be accurate, to be clear, and that we'd all be changed. In your name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to better follow along, there's an outline of our sermon in your bulletin. Our passage today can be divided into three main sections. The question, the answer, and the application. And we're going to spend the majority of our time on the application section as it contains the majority of the passage. So we start with the question, the question. The first half of Psalm 119, verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? This verse sets the tone for the rest of the passage. It introduces the main topic, the the theme that's talked about all throughout these verses. And it has to do with being pure. As we see from verse 11, which talks about sin, the purity in this passage is talking about moral purity. It's talking about how to become and remain practically holy. Being pure means to avoid giving into lust or anger or gossip or bitterness or lying or selfishness or pride or drunkenness or envy or any other sin. To keep our way pure is to live a godly life to be spiritually and morally clean. And the question that sets up this whole passage is, how can a young man keep his way pure? Now, I think this passage applies to more than just young men, but I think the psalmist is using young men in his question for some distinct reasons. Uh, As a generalization, young men tend to be less restrained and more full of hot passion than any other group of people. Young men have the energy and the drive to accomplish great things, but often they lack a large amount of self-control, which means they can get into a lot of trouble. There's a reason why the majority of violent crimes are committed by young men. So young men especially struggle with keeping their way pure. And the psalmist asks, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can the group of people who most struggle with purity keep their lives pure? And of course, if we answer this for the most difficult group, then we will have the answer for all the other groups of people. So finding the answer to this question is vital for men and for women of all ages. So, how can you and I live lives of purity? How can we move through this world in a clean and holy manner? How can a young man keep his way pure? Well, the psalmist not only gives the question, but he also provides us with the solution, which brings us to our next point, the answer, the answer answer. The second half of Psalm 119, verse 9 says, By guarding it according to your word. The pathway to living a life of purity is in guarding your life with the word of God. Our way, our life must be protected by the scriptures. The things God has said in his holy book must be kept in order for us to be spiritually and morally pure. Like a warrior's shield defends against arrows from an enemy and as you use a, a sword to defeat your foes, so too does the word of God guard us from sin and help, help us conquer temptation. If you truly want to become and stay pure, you must use God's word. It is the ultimate protection and weapon against sin. The truth, the logic, the warnings, the promises, the the methods, the encouragements, the comforts of God's word work to prevent you from living dishonoring, spiritually dirty and unrighteous lives. But you must actually use it. A sword and a shield are not helpful if you leave them in the armory. You must carry them into battle, hold that shield up, and swing that sword for them to be any use to you in defeating your enemy. And the same is true with the Word of God. Using it is an, an active endeavor. You, you must live it out in order to conquer sin and have purity. You must use God's word to guard your life. Sin is deceptive, seductive, and dangerous. And none of us here have the wisdom or the power in and of ourselves in order to defeat sin. Sin. So instead of following our our own particular ideas, we must look to what God himself has said. So, how are we to keep our way pure? By guarding it according to God's word. We now have the answer. We know what we need to use to live lives of purity, but the answer seems kind of broad. And it doesn't give specific explanations on on how to use God's word. Well, that's where the rest of the passage comes in. Verses 10 through 16 give us the application, the application. Verses 10 through 16 explain how to use the scriptures to guard our lives. How to use God's word to purify ourselves. In these next seven verses, we will see seven things we must do to keep ourselves pure with God's word. Seven things we must do to keep ourselves pure with God's word. Number one, devote yourself to God. Devote yourself to God. Psalm 119, verse 10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. In order to use God's word to keep us pure, we must first be devoted to the God of the word. If we care nothing for God, we're not going to be able to use his word to make us pure. Loving the God of the word will help us love the word of God. Which is why the psalmist expresses his heart of devotion to God by saying, With my whole heart I seek you. He is committed to pursuing God with all of who he is. His heart, meaning his his thinking, his desires, his passions, his emotions, his decisions are all focused on God. All of his inner being is seeking his creator. He wants to know the Lord. He wants to have a close relationship with his creator. And because of his complete devotion to God. He says in the second half of verse 10, Let me not wander from your commandments. He cries out to God, humbly asking God to enable him to stay on the path of purity, to not wander away from God's commands. The psalmist recognizes his own inner weakness. He recognizes his great need for God's aid, so he prays for help in obeying the Scripture. Because the psalmist is seeking God with all of his heart, he is then committed to following God's Word. And he pleads with God to help him not go astray. If you want to use God's Word to live a pure life, you must actually care about the God of the Word. You must seek Him with all of who you are. You must love Him. This shows us that the truth in this passage only applies to true believers, to those who have turned to God as their Lord and Savior. If you don't already have a love for God, if you're not a genuine Christian, you will not be able to benefit from this passage. You must have a heart that has been changed. Not a perfect heart, Not a heart that's without sin, but a heart that actually has real devotion to God. And the only way that you can have that kind of heart is if God has led you to trust in Jesus, the eternal Son of God, as your forgiver and King. If the Creator has so changed you and you're willing to devote yourself fully to that saving God, you will be able to make progress in pursuing purity. The next thing you must do to keep yourself pure with God's word is to, number two, deep store God's word, deep store God's word. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you want to live a life that's purified by the Word of God, you must store it deep inside of you. It must be so valuable to you that you're willing to stockpile it in your heart. In fact, the Hebrew word for store in this verse has to do with storing something precious. It has to do with hiding great treasure. The Word of God must be valued and memorized. And not memorized just to check off a box or memorized so you can impress the people around you. But memorized so that our heart, our thinking, our desires, our affections, our emotions and decisions are all radically changed by God's Word. Memorized so that we can be spiritually and morally Pure. That's why verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The purpose of storing God's word inside you is to avoid sinning against God. We are to internalize scripture in order to promote purity. Jesus Christ was the only perfect human being who ever walked this earth. As a son of God, he lived a life of complete and total purity. He is the perfect example of how to fight temptation and how to live a morally clean life. And Jesus stored up God's word in his heart. In Matthew chapter 4, When the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus' primary way to defend himself, his primary way to defeat the deceptive snares of the devil, was to quote scripture from memory. He had read the scriptures. He had interpreted the scriptures. He knew what they meant. He had memorized them and he knew exactly how to apply them in his life. And because he had valued and internalized the Word, he did not sin against God. Are you serious about living a life of purity? If you are, then you must internalize God's Word. Let me say that again. If you are serious about living a life of purity then you must internalize God's Word. And thankfully, if you're wanting to be pure, it's not as hard as you think to memorize Scripture. It just takes a little time and effort. If you just spent five minutes a day working to memorize some Scriptures, you could very easily have dozens of verses memorized by the end of a year. And those verses have the ability to help you avoid sin and to live a pure life. Life before God. But understanding and using those memorized verses to keep pure is not something you can do on your own. Which leads us to number three depend on God to teach you. Depend on God to teach you. Psalm 119, verse 12 says, Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. The psalmist's, Blessed are you, O Lord, is a praise to God, the Blessed One, who is the fountain and source of all blessing and joy, without whom no one could have true happiness. The psalmist praises God's character, then says to God, Teach me your statutes. He asks God to instruct him on God's law, to help him understand and apply God's word. The psalmist understands that the king who made the statutes knows the meaning of them the best. Just like we saw back in verse 10, the psalmist recognizes his weaknesses He recognizes his limitations. He knows that God's word will remain darkened to him unless God is willing to shine some light of understanding. The psalmist knows that without God's grace, all his attempts at studying and applying the word of God will be in vain. It is hopeless without God. So he cries out to God for help. Asking God to illuminate and help him understand the scriptures. And this humble reliance on God, this dependence on on God teaching him is a theme that's found all throughout Psalm 119. For example, the end of verse 26 of Psalm 119 says, Teach me your statutes. The beginning of verse 27 says, Make me understand the way of your precepts. Verse 33 says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Verse 66 says, teach me good judgment and knowledge. While verse 68 says, teach me your statutes. In verse 108, it says, teach me your rules. While verse 124 again says, teach me your statutes. Again and again and again, the psalmist acknowledges his great need for God and he asks the Lord to teach him so that he might understand God's word. The Christian life is a life of dependence on God. We become Christians when we first recognize we are sinful people who deserve eternal punishment for our sin and have no ability to save ourselves And when we choose to to humbly rely on Jesus alone for our salvation, a Christian does not put his confidence in himself, but in Jesus who died to pay for our sins and who rose again so that we might have life. And that dependence on God is meant to continue throughout our time on earth. In order for us to make any headway in living a pure life by keeping God's word, we must acknowledge our desperate need for him. We need God to help us understand what his words mean and how to apply it. We need God to teach us. So, we must follow the psalmist's example and ask God to give us guidance. Ask the Lord to grant us wisdom to help us understand the meaning and the implications of his word. And when God does give us understanding, we are to proclaim the word's truth to others, which will not only benefit them, but helps us to grow in purity. And that leads us to number four, declare God's word. Declare God's word. Psalm 119, verse 13 says, With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. If we have devoted ourselves to to seeking God with all our hearts, have have stored up his word in our hearts and are humbly relying on him to teach us, then out of the, the overflow of our hearts we will proclaim God's word to others. We will tell others about God's word and we'll not only talk about the popular or the tame parts, but we will declare all the rules of God's mouth. We'll be willing and and open to proclaim anything that God has laid down in his word. The very word that we declare to others, God will use to bring purity to our own lives. For we know that we have to learn when we verbalize or teach something. When you have to prepare to explain something to others, you come to understand it in greater depth. And when you proclaim God's truth to others, your own conscience convicts and pushes you to keep God's word. And all of us, every single believer here, is called to proclaim God's word to others, to teach Jesus commanded all his disciples at the end of Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, not everyone's going to be an official preacher or Sunday school teacher, but the Bible says that all believers are to be involved in proclaiming the good news of Jesus to others. And all believers are to be involved in giving truth to one another. So we are to follow in the psalmist's footsteps and declare God's word to others, which will benefit them, and will push us towards purity. And proclaiming God's word will be a joy when we ourselves are rejoicing in it. Which brings us to number five, delight in God's word. Delight in God's word. Psalm 119, verse 14 says, In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. The psalmist says that God's testimonies, God's word brings him great delight in fact he delights in them as much as in all riches all the wealth of the entire world gives no more pleasure than what is found in god's word god's word gives great joy to god's people the bible is not some dry boring depressing esoteric collection of useless information Instead, it's the words of our Creator God. It reveals the the Almighty Lord and King of the universe. It shows forth His holiness, His beauty, His justice, His awesome power, and His love. It describes God's amazing plan of salvation. That even while we were yet sinners, rebels against our Creator, that God in His love sent Jesus, His only Son, to earth. And that Jesus died as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Dying to pay the penalty for our sins and rising from the dead in order to conquer death and to offer eternal salvation and new life to all who repent and believe in Him. This book is also a book that describes how the Holy Spirit is sent to transform believers and be their comforter, be their guide throughout life. This book also gives believers great promises. It continually gives encouragement and hope. It tells us how to live. It gives us purpose and, and it leads us towards peace. And helps make us pure. This is a book that should bring us joy. And by delighting in God's word, we will be led to obey it and thus live a life of purity. The more you enjoy this book, the more spiritually and morally clean you're going to be. And this joy filled book is worth thinking deeply about. In fact, pondering its principles will lead us towards purity. Which brings us to number six deliberate over God's word. Deliberate over God's word. Psalm 119. Verse 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. The old preacher Charles Spurgeon said, he who has an inward delight in anything will not long withdraw his mind from it. As the miser often returns to look upon his treasure, so does the devout believer by frequent meditation turn over the priceless wealth which he has discovered in the book of the Lord. Those who delight in the scripture are going to meditate on it. Now the word meditate can put some odd pictures in our brain. We tend to think of some Buddhist monk sitting up on a mountain, sitting cross-legged, going, mmm. Which makes us view meditation as something uh, that only really weird or radical people do. But to meditate just means to think deeply about something. To think deeply about something. And the Hebrew word for meditate literally means to mutter to yourself. It has the idea of saying something to yourself over and over again so that you come to a better understanding of it. So meditation has to do with concentrating your mind on something. To deliberate in your head, continually focusing your thoughts for the purpose of comprehending. It's kind of like how a cow eats food. A cow spends a long, long time chewing A cow will chew some grass, swallow it, let it be digested in their stomach, then regurgitate it back up to their mouth, chew it again, and then swallow, and everything goes all over again. In fact, a cow usually spends around eight hours every day chewing. And that is how a believer is to ponder God's word. We have to think about it, and then think about it, and then think about it, and then think about it it some more. We are to chew on, to to think deeply about what the Word means, to ponder the amazing truths about who God is and what He has done, to reflect on how each section of Scripture connects us with the good news of salvation through Jesus. We are to focus intently on figuring out how to apply God's Word to our everyday lives, to to carefully consider how God's Word should affect our, our thinking to affect our speaking, to affect our behavior. And we are to think about how God's Word should lead us to confess sin, to praise God, to thank God, and to ask God for help. We are to meditate on God's precepts in order to live a pure life. We get the same sort of meaning in the second part of verse 15, which says, and fix my eyes on your ways. We are to look intently on what God has said and done in his word, paying close attention to him. We're not just to, to skim quickly through the scripture and then rapidly move to something else, but are to put concentrated focus on God's word. And this meditation, this paying close attention to God's word is something that everyone here can start today. I would encourage you to go home, carefully think through our sermon or or the teaching from Sunday school or the scripture readings and ponder how they apply to your life. Or read through a passage of scripture this, this week and instead of checking the box that you read something and then quickly moving on, Slowly think through the meaning of what you just read and how that should affect your life. Or begin to memorize some verses from the Bible so that you can quote it to yourself any time which will better allow you to carefully think through its meaning, to carefully think through its application. Look intently at God's Word. Meditate on it so that you can be and after you have begun to devote yourself to God to deep store God's word to humbly depend on God to declare God's word to others to delight in God's word and to carefully deliberate over it then fully commit yourself to God's word which brings us to number seven determine to follow God's word Determine to follow God's word. Psalm 119, verse 16 says, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. The things in this verse have basically already been talked about in verses 11 and 14. But verse 16 adds the future tense word, will To show that these are things that the psalmist is committing to do in the future. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. He is committed to following God's word in the future. He's delighted in God's word in the past. And now he's determined to delight in it in the future. He has stored up God's word in the past and now he is determined to not forget it in the future. He is pledging to continue to enjoy and remember God's word. He is making the commitment to rejoice in it and to not let it leave his mind. He is determined to follow God's word in order to keep his way pure. So, how can you keep your life pure? You must guard it according to God's word. And how can you best guard your life with God's word? You must devote yourself to God, deep store His word in your heart, humbly depend on God to teach you Declare God's word to others. Joyfully delight in God's word. Carefully deliberate over it and determine to follow it. A believer who does that will be spiritually and morally clean. Will be protected from sin and pushed towards purity. For believers, we can learn to say no to temptation... We can grow in our ability to fight against our lusts. We can be shielded from falling prey to sin. Believers can be purified by the power of God's word. For God's word is not just for information, but for transformation. Lord God, we thank you so much for that truth. We thank you that You are a God who is not silent. That You have revealed Yourself to us, not only through creation, but through Your Word in Scripture. We thank You for that, Lord God. We thank You that You have promised to use Your Word to help believers grow in purity. God, we we know that all of us here struggle with sin. We all have our own temptations, and we all fall prey to sin at times. We do things, we say things, and we think things that are not honoring to you, that are not clean. But we thank you, Lord God, that you have first off provided us with a Savior to forgive us of our sin and to save us from the slavery to sin but also that you have provided your word to help us grow in purity, to transform the way that we live. I ask God that you would help all of us here to be willing to dive into your word this week, that we would make sure that our Bibles are not collecting dust, that we would jump into your word, that we would think deeply about it, that we would enjoy our time in your word, that we would memorize it and that we would actually use it in purifying ourselves, in guarding ourselves against sin. We thank you, Lord God, for speaking to us today. In your name we pray. Amen.